Psalm 1, we're going to read the entire psalm. Don't panic. It's only six verses. It's not like Psalm 119. Psalm 1, you follow along silently as I read aloud. The scriptures tell us, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for the time together this morning. God, I pray now that you'd bless the time. I pray that you'd help us as we take a look at your word, Lord, to focus on what you have to say here, Lord, and to examine our own hearts, to examine our own lives, to consider our own paths. Lord, most of all, we pray if there's someone here today that doesn't know for sure they're on their way to heaven, Lord, that you would uh, this day convict them of their need to put their faith and trust in you as their personal Savior. Lord, I pray for the filling of your spirit. I pray that you'd help me to communicate your word faithfully, effectively. We pray that everything that's said and done today would bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> when you uh, look at the book of Psalms, while we, if you know anything about Psalms at all, or if you want to take a fast look in the table of contents and stuff, Psalms has 150 chapters. It's quite a long book. The word psalm itself actually means song. These were all written to be sung. In fact, if you were, uh, if you knew Hebrew, or if you were uh, over in Israel, they quite often sing many of these songs even to this day. Uh, when I had the chance to go to uh, Israel a few years back, when we were picked up in the airport by our guide, uh, who was an Israeli, uh, he told us that uh, as we're going up to Jerusalem, now we landed in Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is west of Jerusalem. Now up in Michigan, when you're going up, where are you going, folks? North, right? But in the Bible, when you're going up, you're going up in altitude. You're ascending, okay? And our guy told us very quickly, I know my geography. I know we're west of the area. But the fact of the matter is, in Israel, Jerusalem is always up. Jerusalem is always up. In fact, the, the parable of the guy that went down to Jericho, Jericho is some few hundred feet below sea level. I forget how many, but it's not quite as bad as the Dead Sea, but almost. I mean, that's, you're going down to Jericho. But if you're going to Jerusalem, you're going up to Jerusalem, and they always say the 121st Psalm. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills, for whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I won't, I won't do the whole psalm for it. I had to memorize that in fifth grade. I can't remember what I ate yesterday, but I do remember that song I memorized <laughs> in fifth grade. Uh, but that, that's a song that they quite often do as they go, and that's a part of their worship. That's a part of their culture uh, even now. Uh, but the, what we think of as the book, the 150 chapters of Psalms, Psalms is actually divided up into five different books. They correspond to the five books of the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. For the, for the sake of the, the sermon today, I, I don't want to get into all that. Uh, we can look at how the books break off and divide. That doesn't matter. What I really want to do is look at today this very first psalm, this introductory psalm, and just give you one more quick note of introduction before we dive into what the scripture actually says. When we read in verse 1 about the man that doesn't, you know, uh, walk in the counsel of the ungodly, he doesn't stand in the way of sinners, he doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. The truth of the matter is, in the original Hebrew language, and I don't know Hebrew, 
please don't bring me a Hebrew manuscript and ask me to translate it for you. You'll be out of luck. Amen? I can't. I'm, I'm reading what I've read that other folks have studied. I've looked at like, word studies and stuff. But they say in the original Hebrew, the tenses of this are different than the way it was translated into English. In the original Hebrew, it talks about blessed is the man that never walked in the counsel of the ungodly. That never stood in the way of sinners. That never sat in the seat of the scornful. And of course, honestly, we have to ask the question, who among us has ever done all three of those? And the answer is, no one. Like the old song, no, not one. Amen. <laughs> no, not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So in a grand sense, Psalm 1 is actually a prophetic messianic psalm pointing to someday when Jesus would come who would fulfill the law of God, who would never be guilty of any of those things. But there is also a very practical application that I'd like to make today. When we think of the word blessed, when someone says, man, that was a blessing. Or when someone describes someone else and says, boy, they're just a blessed person. What is it that comes to mind? That word blessed in the Old Testament actually has a number of different Hebrew words that are used at different times. But the particular Hebrew word that's used right here is a word that simply means happy. Happy. Yes. Now, I know that sometimes we, we warn folks about happiness. You, you've heard my illustration on happiness. You go out the door on a windy day, a $100 bill blows into your hand, and you are what? You're happy. Amen? But as you go to stick it in your wallet, the wind gusts and blows it back out of your hand, and now you're sad. The truth of the matter is you're not any different than how you started, right? Because you've been on this roller coaster of stuff. And, and I warn people about chasing this idea of being happy. But this word here, as it says happy, has the idea of your overall uh, view of life as how, how you're going through life's journey. Now notice it says happy is the man. Blessed is the man that, number one, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, folks, when we think about counsel, what are you thinking of? You're thinking of advice. You're thinking of how to do. We live in a day and age where we have what, they, what you might call information overload. Amen? I mean, you've got as many different opinions on things as you've got people you can ask. We've got these things now on the Internet that if you're having symptoms, if you're sniffling a little bit, or you're coughing a little bit, or a spot shows up on your arm, or you've got something... You can Google it, and you'll probably have your di yourself diagnosed to die within about six days, depending on you know, how, how well you connect the... I mean, is that not the case? I mean, we, 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 we've got ideas of, of how to do everything, and the fact of the matter is, whether we realize it or not, we as believers, those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ... Even though we might say that we believe the Bible is our final authority for faith and practice, which is what we ought to believe, folks. That's what we ought to be going by. I heard somebody say, well, I'll go by what my, my, my pastor, what my priest says. Listen, you better go by what the Word of God says. And when your pastor's speaking, you better have your Bible open on your lap, and you better check out what he's saying to make sure he's sticking with what the Bible says. Well, Pastor Michael, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, folks, someday you're going to stand before God and give an account of what you did with your life. Yes. Okay? That, the psalm talks about that a little later on, we're, but that's getting ahead of us right now. But we need to realize that if we're not careful, our lives can be affected by ungodly counsel. A little over 100 years ago, a theory made its way into uh, the, the, the mainstream education. Now, don't get me wrong, there's been... 
theories of creation for years and years and years. All right, different cultures have different ideas. The, the great spirit, the destructive person, this, that. And there's been all kinds of stuff. But a guy named Charles Darwin came out with this idea of selective groups and stuff, and it came to be known as the theory of evolution. Now, you know what's one of the most terrible things, one of the most awful things about the theory of evolution that there is, folks, is the fact that it takes God out of the equation. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that God said, let us make man in our image. And so God created man in his own image, and the likeness of God created he him, male and female created he them. People have said, Pastor Mike, how can a God, how can there be a God in heaven when we have these mass shootings, when we have these terrible dictators, when we have these this drug epidemic, and we have this? That's because people are listening to the wrong counsel. We have raised several generations now to be told there is no God, therefore there is no accountability, therefore it doesn't matter what you do, this is all there is. Hey folks, you know what? That's ungodly counsel. The Bible says that each person that's ever been born on the face of this earth was born in the image, they're a reflection of God. Folks, that's, we are different than the animals. I hate to break it to PETA. Uh, you know what PETA stands for, right? People eating tasty animals, right? But uh, <laughs> I hate to break it to PETA, but animal life should not be considered on the same level as human life because animals were not created in the image of God. But mankind was created in the image of God. But what happens? You've got the ungodly counsel of evolution. What happens next? Well, now it makes sense. If you're a farmer and you have a, a pig that gives birth to 15 or 20 piglets, and two or three of them are, are messed up and they're not nursing and stuff as a farmer, what do you do? Pastor Mike, I don't want to think about it. Yeah, I know you don't want to think about it. That, that's more ungodly counsel. We've got all kinds of problems in our country, but we've got commercials of, you know, dogs with mosquitoes flying around them and cats, you know, laying oh, we got really poor. They're animals. They're animals, folks. They don't deserve the same care. They don't deserve to. Well, let me get off of that. Let me get back on the ungodly counsel. We, we treat unborn babies worse than we treat pets. Did you know that? That's ungodly counsel. There's something wrong with that. Those babies, are the, life begins at conception, folks. The Bible tells that. Jeremiah says before he was even born, uh, the Lord had called him. Uh, John the Baptist, before he was born, he was six months old. You know what that means, according to Planned Parenthood? It still would be okay to stick a vacuum cleaner in there and, and chop them into pieces and suck them out. John the Baptist is a six-month-old, non-viable tissue mass, according to Planned Parenthood, left at the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ right. when Mary, his mother, was three months pregnant with him. Amen. Listen, folks, life doesn't begin when a baby takes his first breath. Life begins at the moment of conception. Amen. That's a human being. That's a human soul. That's someone that, that God loves. That's someone that God cares about. But we're living in a day and age where people are listening to ungodly counsel. Now, we Christians, boy, we can amen the preacher, we can nod our heads, yes, we can do all that, but you know, the problem is that ungodly counsel has to stop there. Right. We're listening to ungodly counsel and how our marriages are. In fact, we've decided marriage is no longer necessary. Why bother to get married? Just live with them. Just see how, hey, you know what, folks? The Bible says you're not supposed to just live with them. Right. Supposed to be married. The Bible calls people that don't, in Hebrews 13, the Bible says marriage is honorable in law. In case you don't know what that means, the, the, the writer spells it out. And the bed undefiled. Did you know God created sex? 
Did you know God intended for men and women to be attracted to each other? Do you know God intended for those feelings, those urges to be satisfied within the boundaries of marriage? Bible says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But the verse doesn't stop there. It says, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Yet we live in a day and age where the, the popular theory is consenting adults. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest we make laws and all that. You can't legislate morality, folks. You're, 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 doing, you're, you're going on the wrong track there. But as Christians, we need to realize that, hey, if I'm going to live a life that's honoring and pleasing to God, I've got to not allow myself to fall into the prey of ungodly counsel. I can't walk in that kind of counsel. i got to live a life that, that honors and pleases the Lord. We've, we've entertained ungodly counsel in the area of how we raise our kids. Some guy named Dr. Spock, I don't even know how many years ago, but how to raise a happy, healthy baby. How are those happy, healthy babies doing nowadays, folks? We're, we're in big trouble. We're in big trouble. We have, we have problems, and what does the news guy do? Let's find out what the kids want. It's a funny thing. When I was five or six years old, when I was a teenager, there were no news people showing up at my front door asking me what I thought about the national politics or what I thought would solve this problem. Because everybody realized a 16, 17-year-old teenager doesn't know what they're talking about. But suddenly, we, we've got this idea that, oh, the, the, the children, they're the, we, we've got to, and, and don't get me wrong, we love kids around here, all right? I, I think I, I don't need to state that. We love kids. We care about them. We, they're, they're eternal souls. We want to minister to them. Right. We want to bring them up in, in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But folks, we've got to recognize there are some attitudes, there are some things being thrown out there that are ungodly counsel. Hey, I skipped over marriage too fast. I, I forgot one of my points. Uh, in marriage, we're told nowadays you want to spice up your marriage. What you should do is you should add a little pornography in there to help your marriage. You know what, folks? That's ungodly counsel. Pornography is wrong. And, and, and guys, if you've got a pornography uh, addiction or, or issue or whatever, if you're looking at that stuff, that's wrong. I'm sorry. That's right. I appreciate you telling me that. That's okay. I didn't say it. Jesus said. That's right. Matthew chapter five. I say you've heard it said of old times, but man. Uh, if you commit adultery, you know, you, you've broken the law. But I say to you, he that looks on a woman and lusts after, what is the purpose of pornography? He that looks on a woman and lusts after in his heart and committed adultery with her in his heart already. Hey, listen, that's ungodly counsel. But nowadays it's so prevalent that, hey, we don't think anything about it. It's no big deal. Everybody does this. It, that's, that's, our, that's our sliding scale of morality nowadays. If everybody does it, then it must be okay. Folks, all that sin and come short of the glory of God. Happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. In John 14, 6, Jesus makes a statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Jesus said there's a broad path that leads to destruction. There's a narrow path that leads to life everlasting, and few there be that find it. If we want to be happy, if we want to be blessed of the Lord, we've got to understand that we, we shouldn't be standing in that way, in that course, in that mindset, in that flow of things. Unfortunately, our, our human nature makes us want to fit in, right? What is the old saying? Don't make ponds, don't make waves in the pond you got to swim in, right? Isn't that the old saying? Yeah. 
Don't, don't, so we just go with the flow. You know, my dad told me when I was a kid, he said, son, any dead fish, any dead fish can go downstream with the flow. Amen? It takes a live one to swim against the current. The Bible says, don't stand in the way of sinners. The next thing it says there is, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. In the Hollywood circles and in the sports circles, we've got the, this big thing of, what, what do we call them? Monday morning quarterbacks, right? Where they sit there and they talk about all the mistakes that were made and all the things that happened and all the things that ought to be taken care of. And in Hollywood, they'll have some guy and they're going to honor him. How do they honor him? They honor him with a roast. What's the purpose of the roast? To make it look as bad as possible. Criticism is something that uh, folks have perfected to an art form. Now, folks, listen. I want to be very careful here as an American. I believe in free speech. By the way, let me throw this out here. All this talk about hate speech, folks, listen to me. There's either free speech or there's censored speech. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. You can't possibly agree with some of the hateful things some people say. I don't agree with what they're saying, but as an American, I agree with the right to say it. I don't click on their stupid website and read it. I don't buy their books and materials. But see, folks, when somebody somewhere starts deciding what is hate speech, we're in big trouble. By the way, the state of California has already decided that what your preacher preaches is hate speech, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Walk it not in the council. You know, I, I should have spent some time in that one. Amen. But I, listen, I believe, I believe in freedom of speech. I believe in folks' rights to criticize. Uh, you, you got some advice for me on what I should and shouldn't preach on? Call me tomorrow. Amen. Don't go with my day today, but call me tomorrow and straighten me up. You're welcome to do that. You, you're allowed to do that. That's fine. That's fine. But you know, the spirit of criticism, folks, is generally not a helpful thing. Anybody can find fault. That's right. A lot of our politics today is all about what? Finding fault. Instead of actually, who's got an answer for how to do it? Besides, of course, taxing all the billionaires. That ain't the answer, by the way. But anyway, who's got an answer how to fix this stuff? Let's get some real answers. Let's quit uh, coming up with all the, the criticism and stuff. But boy, we do that. We sit around. We're critical. Well, you know, he's an okay preacher, but did you ever see what his garage looks like? Amen? Come on, do I get an amen? <laughs> Have you ever seen what his desk looks like? Amen? I mean, listen, if you want to find fault, you can find fault. It's, it's everywhere. Amen. But the Bible says, blessed is the man that doesn't sit in the seat of the scorn. Right. Don't be looking to find fault, folks. You know what? You can... It's, it's easy to find. It's everywhere. We're, we're, in a, we're in a world full of sinful people. Amen? There's fault all over the place. But here's the thing. I can't really help anybody else with their sin. The only one I can help is me. The only one I can make a difference with is me with God's grace and God's help. So the Bible says, blessed. Don't, 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 don't uh, walk in their counsel. Uh, don't stand in their way. Don't sit in that seat. Stay out of there. You'd be better off. Now, in contrast to that, the Bible says, but... Now get this, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. <coughs> Don't raise your hands because you might, you might just totally ruin my day. But I wonder how many people are here today because you feel like you have to be here. Because if you're not here, 
Pastor Mike might call you. If you're not here, your husband might give you a hard time. Your wife might give you a hard time. If you're not here, someone else is going to point their finger and say, Hey, I was in church today and you weren't there. What's, what's up with you? Or how many of us are here today because we want to be in church? We want to hear something from God's Word. However, poorly the, the particular pastor might communicate. We want to get something that can edify us as believers that will feed our new man, that will feed our spiritual self. His delight is in the law. Well, hey, listen, folks, it's hard to hide what you're delighted in. Amen? Hey, come to our Thanksgiving potluck and just observe. You'll figure out real quick what some people delight in. Amen? <laughs> Pumpkin pie, ha, ha. Real mashed potatoes and mashed potatoes now. What you care about is Adam. I was at IGA yesterday. Well, it's not IGA anymore. I was at the Caseful Market yesterday. And I was standing there and I'm wearing my Caseful sweatshirt. I'm wearing a pair of camouflage pants my wife got me. And a total stranger walked up to me and says, Hey, you been doing any hunting? <laughs> now, I don't know. I've never met this guy before in my life. But he took one look at me and said, Hey, I'll bet that guy's delight, judging by the clothes on his face and the camouflage jeans he's wearing, I bet that guy's not willing. I, I end up talking to him. Hey, listen, your delights ought to be obvious. His delight, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he what? Meditate. Folks, that doesn't mean check in on Sunday morning, uh, endure Pastor Mike for a half hour. Well, you know, 40 minutes, whatever it is. But endure Pastor Mike, and then go out the rest of the week and never give it another thought. That's not meditating. Now I'm just I'm just a I'm a city slicker from Pontiac. I don't know about this stuff. But I had a pastor tell me one time that when a cow grazes, it grazes for a while, it fills up the first chamber of its stomach, then it goes over and sits on the ground. If you watch that cow real close, it'll look like it's got indigestion or something. You'll see these little you know, these little pops or humps there, and then suddenly that cow will start chewing. You know what that cow's done? That cow has regurgitated the grass. There, see, now you're not the right <laughs> That cow has regurgitated that grass, and they're now chewing at it. They're chewing their cud. I'm, I'm a city boy. One time my grandpa was changing my little brother David, and he dropped what was in the diaper on the floor. And he said, oh, my goodness, I dropped this cud. And then I heard a preacher talking about how to chew this cud, and I was like, ooh, man. Unfortunately, <laughs> I learned better as I got older. But hey. Meditate therein day and night. Do we think about the things of God? Do we think about, Lord, is my life pleasing you? Is my life lined up with what your word says? And if it's not, Lord, what do I need to do to get it aligned? Hey, listen, you can buy the most expensive set of tires there are, throw them on your car, but if your car's not in alignment, you know what you're going to do with those tires? You're going to grind them right Power. You ain't going to go down the road right. Hey, listen. If you're a child of God, you're not going to go down the road right if you're not meditating on the Word of God. If your life isn't lined up with what the Word of God says. Now, if we'll do that, if our delight will be in God's law, if we'll meditate in that law day and night, then He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. Now, I might be a city slicker, but I did have a garden. Well, my dad had a garden, and I was his oldest kid, so guess who was pulling weeds in the garden? That was me. 
Now I can tell you, weeds sometimes are hard to pull. Some of those weeds, you know, I think they're genetically designed. They break off at the surface and leave the root in there. Amen? If you don't loosen them up a little bit, you ain't going to get that root. And what's going to happen? They're going to grow right back again. But, you know, you go to pull weeds, they'll come right out. But when it comes to trees, as a kid, I, I, I broke my arm one summer. I did a lot of reading that summer. I read Tarzan. I read Robin Hood. Uh, models that do you like that for amen, swing from a tree, shoot a bow and arrow. But anyway, in, in Robin Hood, they talk about this guy, this character, Will Scarlet, that was super strong, and he was going to fight Robin Hood with a quarter staff. You know, that's a, that's, that's a, a stick, about six foot long, do that. Some of these kids don't know what I'm talking about. you got to read Robin Hood. It's the greatest classic. But anyway, and it said Will Scarlet walked up to a sapling about the right size of the, and he just jerked it up out of the ground. And Robin, Robin Locksley knew right then he was in big trouble. Because you don't just pull a tree. But even, folks, even a tree like knee high, you try to, you just try to reach over in your yard and grab that. Or your, the, the guy go, the Bible says, he shall be like a tree. Trees got roots. Trees don't just come out of the ground real easy. They got a root system. They're, they're in there for good. A tree planted by the what? Rivers of water. Hey, what did Jesus tell the woman at the well in John chapter 4? If you know who I was, you'd ask me for what? Living water. What did the Apostle Paul write about the church in Ephesians chapter 5? That he might present himself a spotless church. That he might cleanse it and sanctify it by what? By the washing of the water of the word. And there's a picture there. The tree's planted, but the tree doesn't, doesn't stop there. That tree still needs water. Hey, listen, you might be here today. You might be a child of God. You might have had a time that you trusted Christ as your Savior. But don't stop there. You need to keep drinking from those living waters. You want to know where the riverbanks are in Huron County? You look at these farm fields, man, those farmers got them stripped clean until when? It gets to the riverbank. And you, you can tell pretty quick, oh, look, there's a river, there's a river that runs through there. Look at all those trees. They're, unless, of course, they're ash trees, and that, that didn't help them. Maybe that's the emerald ash borer. But otherwise, those trees, man, they do really well next to that water. Now, this tree is planted by the, by the, the rivers of water. It bringeth forth its fruit in his season. Those of you that were with us for the past couple months, what we preach now? The fruit of the Spirit. Hey, if you're a true child of God, if you're blessed, if you're not doing the first three things that we talked about in verse 1, if you're doing the two things in verse 2, you ought to be bringing forth fruit. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. John chapter 15. God wants us to be producing fruit. Are you producing spiritual fruit? He bringeth forth this fruit in his season. Whatsoever you do is shall prosper. The Bible says his leaf also, I'm sorry, I skipped over. His leaf also shall not wither. Wednesday night, we had a fall harvest party. Of course, we started over here. That meant all the kids that got dropped off walked through the parking lot, walked into the church. Uh, the hallway of church and the entryway looked like leaves. Amen? It was wet. The leaves stick to your feet. You walk in here, they come out from the dry cut. Leaves all over the place. Why? Because in Michigan, every fall, when the weather starts turning cold, what happens to the leaves? The leaves wither, they fall off, and come springtime, it starts all over again. But not if you're an evergreen, amen? <laughs> the evergreens are always green. Now, do you understand what the psalmist is writing here? The blessed man that's not walking. 
He's not standing. He's not sitting where he shouldn't be. He's meditating on God's word. He's drinking from the living water. He's going to bear fruit. And also, his leaf doesn't wither. He never goes out of season. He never has problems with that. Why? He's continually renewed. He's continually energized. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, don't, don't, don't get hung up on the whole you know, prayer of Jabez and prosperity theology and all that stuff. If, you, if you've never listened to me before, I am not a prosperity theology a preacher, folks. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the face of the earth, died in a jail cell, didn't even have a coat for winter. So somebody that teaches and preaches, if you're a child of God, everything's going to be good. You're going to be driving a Mercedes-Benz. You know, uh, you're, you're going to have all this great stuff because that's what happens to God's children. That's not the way it always happens, and the Bible gives evidence of that. That's right. Paul even said some people are so silly they're going to think that 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 uh, that having things is godliness and it has nothing to do with godliness. Spiritual. The unsaved people of the world, God, but with that word prosper, there what it has is your life will be in the right order. Yes. Okay, it's, it's similar to what it says in Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. For then thou shalt have good success. The word success there, not the idea of, oh, I made a million dollars, I'm success. No, 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 no. Success in the right order. A lot of people get life out of order nowadays. We got, we got teenagers still in school having babies. That's not when you need to be doing that. Amen? Wait, save that for later. Not ready for that yet. Okay? Now, now we switch from the, the blessed man in verse 1. Now we go, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives with. Now, some of your country folks, you know what chaff is. Some of you might be retired city slickers like me, not that I'm retired, but you might. The chaff, that's, that's the stuff that's no good. When, you, when wheat grows, when grain grows in the field, think of chaff like the husk of the corn. Now, you might like your corn roasted in the microwave. By the way, that's a delicious way to do it, amen? Three minutes, but let it cool down and burn your fingers, amen? Maybe you peel back that husk and put some butter on there, maybe a little salt. I, I try to avoid the salt, though. I don't have to, but pastor in retirement land, I see all these people never use salt, so I just decided a while ago, I'm going to ease off that right now. Maybe that'll help. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, man, that's the, but, but here's the thing. I don't eat the husk, amen? You know what I do with the husk? I throw that away. I get rid of that. When they harvest the grain in Bible lands, they would take that, that weed up on what they call a threshing floor. It would be a big, flat spot made of stones. And they would beat the grain on the stone floor. And as they beat the grain on the stone floor, the, the chaff, the, the, the kernel that surrounded the grain, would break off. And then at night, as the temperatures drop, the wind would blow all that bad stuff away and leave nothing but the grain. Now get this. The happy man in verse 1 is like a tree. But the ungodly man, in verse 5, folks, he's a chaff. He's a chaff. The ungodly are not sober like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the day of judgment. That word stand on the day of judgment has the idea of not having a leg to stand on. Have you ever heard that? Somebody makes a silly, you know, argument like that, you know, that, sorry. When I was in Bible college, I got pulled over in my 1971 Gremlin. The year was 1982. <laughs> I was driving a 1971 AMC Gremlin that the latches on it were so bad 
that I had a rope tied from door to door so when I turned corners, they wouldn't open on me. <laughs> the exhaust had fallen off of it. It had other issues. And I didn't know it, but the taillights had quit working. And the city of Pontiac policemen pulled me over driving the thing. And so as soon as I saw the lights, I pulled over and I turned the car off. So I was hoping maybe it would be in wintertime. He hadn't heard it. I turned it off right away. He walks up, asks for all. Says, "You know why I pulled you over?" He says, "No, officer, I have no idea." He says, "You're, you're, you don't have brake lights. Your brake lights are brown." He says, "I'm giving you a defective equipment thing." And folks, when I was in Bible college, I was making like, I don't know, 75, 80 bucks a week, and about, you know, half of that was going to my tuition bill and what I put in the offering plate, and I didn't have a whole lot left after it. And I look at this ticket, man. This was like a hundred and thirty-five dollar ticket. And I was telling my boss at work about it. I worked at a hardware store for a guy that uh, sang in the choir with me, sang bass. And he said, Michael, what you need to do, you need to go to that judge and tell him, tell him, man, I, I, I'm a hardship case judge. I'm a Bible college student. you got to have mercy on me. I, I want a jury trial. Maybe he'll cut it down for me. You know, so I'm like, okay, all right. I said, I'll, I'll try that. So I took a day off work, showed up there in Pontiac at the, the district court, and I'm waiting my turn. And the guy ahead of me, the guy ahead of me got a ticket for speed. And the policeman that gave him the ticket for speeding was there. And his defense was this. Well, Your Honor, I, there's no way I could have been going that fast. He says, this is what I think happened. I think when the officer held up his radar gun, he was on my tires, and my tires were spinning on the ice. <laughs> and he, he, he got the speed of my tires instead of the speed of my car. <laughs> All I could think of to myself was, oh, boy, I'm next. <laughs> the policeman just shook his head and said, Sir, that's not how radar works. I'm sorry. You'll have to pay the fine. I thought, man, I'm in big trouble for that. Actually, I wasn't. He, 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 he gave me, he put it down to $20. Amen. Jumped the car, went to a, went to a 1979, uh, no, 1971 Pontiac Catalina after that. Then, then, my, then my, it was tuition, gas, and whatever I had left over. But anyway, here's the thing. That guy didn't have a leg to stand on. I wasn't going that fast. It was just my tires. That's ridiculous. <laughs> now, any normal human being would probably think, well, you got to be kidding me. Somebody had to, folks, I heard it. This, I didn't read this in some sermon illustration book. I was standing there, and I heard the guy say it. But this is exactly what the psalmist is saying. You know, God is not going to stand on the day of judgment. Well, I talk to people sometimes and say, hey, listen, why don't you come on out to church? And I'll tell them, well, I used to go to church, but some preacher did me wrong. Can I just say, folks, there, there's bad preachers just like there's bad plumbers, just like there's bad mechanics, just like there's bad electricians, just like there's bad whatever profession you want to say. There might even be a couple bad politicians, amen? <laughs> there's bad ones. I'm not going to deny that for a second. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Bible says every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Yes. Yes. When you stand before God someday, people are going to ask you about the preacher. God's going to say, what about you? What about you? Now, folks, that's, that's for believers and unbelievers. Now, if you're an unbeliever, it doesn't really matter other than you're in, you're in heat big trouble. For believers, at least our sin is under the blood of Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. But we're still going to give an account for what we did with our life. First Corinthians 3. I'm not preaching on that today. Don't worry. I'm not starting a new message. It's okay. I'm wrapping it up. 
They're not going to stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You're not, there's a lot of people think that somehow they're going to sneak in, somehow they're going to slip through, somehow because they identify with somebody, but you're going to have to stand to God individually accountable. Okay? Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Hey, listen. Are you blessed? Are you happy? Did you know God intended you to enjoy this life? Did you know that? Amen. Now, there's struggles, I know. There's struggles. There's problems. There's issues. There's health problems. I understand all that. But God intends you to enjoy the gift of life that he's given to you. But you need to check out what he, how are you doing. Yeah. Are you listening to the wrong counsel? Are you standing in the wrong area? Are you sitting in the seat of the critic? And you're not really doing anything to contribute to things. If you're doing those three, all the stuff in verse 2 isn't going to matter. You're in the wrong place. Maybe here today you've never had a time that you put your faith and trust in Christ as your Savior. Listen, you need, you need to have time that you do that. Well, Pastor Mike, I joined the church. Jesus didn't say the church was the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Yeah, right. Say, Pastor Mike, well, I was, I was baptized as a baby. You know what? I know there's a lot of churches do that. They're welcome to do that. But there's not one verse in this book that talks about being baptized as a baby. Did you know that? That's a man-made tradition. Well, Pastor Mike, I, I try to do the best I can. The Bible says there's none that doeth good. No, not one. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you know what? I can still be blessed if I'll feed on the living water if I'll meditate on it, if I'll delight in it, and if I'll be honest with myself about what direction I'm, I'm allowing my life to go. Blessed is the man. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for the time together this morning. Lord, I know this is a simple, simple psalm. Nothing profound, nothing.